we'd like to welcome you to The Journey from the Hill. This is a weekly podcast of Chapel Hill Baptist Church. Each week, you'll hear biblical teaching from our pastor, Dr. Shannon Moses. At the end of today's podcast, you'll hear a way to reach out to us with any questions you might have about this message. Now, let's prayerfully listen as Dr. Moses opens the Word of God. Forever, forever and forever and forever. We're going to get to sing His praises. Till then, here we are. Till till then, we get to do the absolute best we can. We get to give Him all that we are, which we know scripturally is filthy rags. Our absolute best is but filthy rags. But praise be to God that in Christ, in the righteousness of Christ, clothed in the righteousness of Christ, He is well pleased. He is pleased to, to see you sing, to hear you worship, just to lay yourself out there. And just give it all to Him. So glad that you're here. Uh, if you've got your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn with me over to the book of Colossians. We're starting Colossians this month. Again, reading a different book of the Bible each month. Reading every single day of the week. All through the month. And here's what happens. First of all, we're doing it together. We're all together doing it. And the thing is, verses, as you read through them, those verses will come become more and more familiar. These this is scripture that you've heard and read all your life. These are uh, Paul's easy letters. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. We've read through every one of them when we finish Colossians this month. We've read them all and four chapters every day feasting on the Word of God. And here's what will start to happen. And you're noticing this. People tell me this. It happens it gets more familiar. The, the verses that we have memorized, we start grabbing a hold of the ones above it and below it, and, and we start getting paragraphs, and you're just going down there, whether you're reading it in your, in your quiet time, whether you're listening to it riding down the road, play it on your phone. Guys, listen, put the Word of God, bury it deep inside of you. Keep the Word of God moving in and through your lives. The truth of God's Word. The truth of what God did for us in Christ Jesus. How lost, how hopeless we would be. This morning we'll look at that. This morning we'll go all the way back to the very beginning. Look at Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 13. Very familiar. For He rescued us from a domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son in which we have redemption the forgiveness of sin. Praise God that He did for you and for me what we could not do for ourselves. We're sinners. We're all sin and fall short of the glory of God. And we all lie, cheat, steal. We think bad things. We do bad things. We, we know we should and we don't. We just mess up. And if left to our own strength and our own ability, we would still be in our sin. But God did for all of us what we could not do. He sent His only Son. Keep reading. Look at what it says. It says, uh, His image is the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created, both in the heavens and on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church, and He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that He Himself will come to have first place in everything. Look at this, verse 19. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in Him and through Him to reconcile 
all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him, I say, whether things on earth or things are in heaven. God sent Jesus down here onto this earth to live as you and I. We, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. God literally came and, and tabernacled with man. And we read in his word. We read in the gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. We read in the gospel how he literally came and he did exactly what he came and was supposed to do. And here's the thing. We're in church. Most of you, this isn't your first day in church. If it is, listen. You've got to have a relationship with Jesus. You've got to know Christ personally. You've got to, got to, got to. And so many people say, well, why? What, what, makes, what makes what you believe different than all the rest? You know, Sunday morning, for the most part, on Sunday morning is the church. For the most part, in many places, you have visitors, but a lot of times visitors are coming from other places. They're coming from other churches. They're just coming in town. But sometimes you do have those with legitimate questions. How can, how can you believe that? Explain to me more that he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. Explain that to me. Flesh that out for me. And you know, that's something that we as a church, that's something that we as believers should be able to do. We should be able to walk a person, we should be able to take a person who, who has questions about the gospel, the good news. What makes it good news? Okay? To have good news, you've got to have a problem. Okay? What was the problem? What messed things up? Why do I need, why do I need good news? People ask, can ask that question. You know, life's good, work's good, family's good, I got good health, I exercise, I do all the things. I got plenty of money in the bank. Why, why do I need good news? And you know, that's where many people are. That's where many people start. is wondering, they're confronted with you need good news. You need the gospel. You need forgiven. Forgiven from what? On Thursday nights, we get the privilege of having the Tuscaloosa County High football team here at church. And they play. Here's our schedule. We have different Sunday school classes, different individuals come and help us, but they play for, I don't know, an hour and 15 minutes or so, and then they come in here. And in here, literally for 30, 35 minutes, I get to preach to them, like straight up. Pretty much everything I say this morning, I said-ish Thursday night to them. So we get to really open up God's Word. We get, we get kids who do not, they weren't raised like you. They don't know the Word of God like you know. For many of them, the only church they get is on a night like that. And we get them all football season long. And it's a blessing and it's an honor. And this past week, the Lord weighed heavy on my heart. Last year, I, we, we talked about big things. We talked about, yes, the gospel. We talked about prayer and the importance. We talked about having a relationship and we went over so many different things, but this year God said, look, they need, they need not meat and taters, they need milk. They need milk. And, and I was able for 35 minutes, the Lord just spoke through me. And, and basically you have to get, you have to go back to the very beginning. And oftentimes, even us in big church, us in here this morning, we forget, we take for granted. He transferred us from the domain of darkness and and brought us into his family, and he made us his adopted sons and daughters. Yes, praise God. And if we're not careful, we forget where we came from. 
We forget how we lived. We forget where we were before Christ. Go all the way back over to Genesis with me. Why, why do we, as, as you're turning there, why do we pay this book any attention? First of all, well, the Bible says, the Bible tells us over in 2 Timothy chapter 4, chapter 3, all Scripture is inspired by God. Every bit of it. All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped in every good work. Every single bit of this book, these 66 books that are put together making the canon of Scripture which was ultimately compiled and put together somewhere around 400 A.D. They took it all and they put it all together. All these 66 individual little books. Genesis is a book and Exodus is a book and Leviticus is a book and so on. 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament. Some 40 different authors spread out over 1,500 years wrote and compiled. And here's the thing. They didn't know what they were doing. It, it wasn't like uh, Paul said, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm writing, I'm working on writing this big book with Moses. He didn't have a clue. He's just writing letters to Colossae. He's writing letters to Philippi. He's writing letters to Timothy. Uh, Moses, when he's putting together and, and compiling the, the law, the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. He didn't know that here some, I don't know how many thousand years later, that we'd be standing up here in 2023 talking about, hey, Moses put together Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy for us. See, God used common, everyday, run-of-the-mill Joes. Moses was a shepherd. Luke was a doctor. Isaiah was a prophet. Ezra was a priest. Um... John was a fisherman, and Paul was a tent maker. Just common guys. Matthew was a tax collector. He wasn't one that would have, we would not have picked him to write a chapter in that book. We wouldn't have. But God used people from so many sordid backgrounds over a long period of time, and they did not know they were what, they didn't know what they were writing would one day be compiled into what you and I have today. But the Bible tells us, that every bit of us is exactly what we need. All Scripture is God-breathed. Over in Peter, Peter tells us over in Second oh, Peter chapter 1, but know this, verse 20, but know this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. We can't just pick and choose. We can't just look at it the way we want to. No, there, was, there were faithful men who have gone before us and before us and before us who have come together and being led by the Holy Spirit, moved upon them to give us what we have. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. We can be confident that when we stand on this ourselves or when we stand in front of others and people say, why do you believe what you believe? Well, the Bible says, and that's enough. That's enough. That's the starting point. That's the only starting point that matters. In the beginning, Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. 
Uh, Books may tell you, science may tell you, scholastics may tell you, others may tell you that it happened some other way, but the Word of God, the authority says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And here's the deal. Here's the deal. And I said this Thursday night. If you don't believe that, that's fine. But 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 the conversation sort of ends there. Because if you don't believe the Word of God, if you don't believe it's true, if you don't believe it's inerrant, if you don't believe it's absolutely perfect, everything we need, then I'm going to be saying this and you're going to be down here. And there's never going to be a coming together. Yeah, but there's mess-ups. And yeah, there's scribal mistakes. And yes, it was translated. And yes, all of that stuff. Here's the deal. (laughs) The author of confusion is not God. The enemy came to kill, steal, and to destroy. And don't you think that if, as long as he can keep you thinking, well, are you sure you can believe that? Are you sure that's enough? Are you sure that's all it is? Don't you think if the enemy can keep you chasing after all of that, eventually you're going to die. And the words of this book says that no man comes to the Father except through Christ. That's what Jesus says. And as long as Satan can convince and manipulate and connive and mess people up. He's tickled to death. The Bible clearly says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's what the Bible says. God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Verse 3, then God said, let there be light. We wonder where all this came from. God made it. We wonder how it happened. God did it. You wonder when? Somewhere back then. He didn't tell us when. It was just back then. God created it. We want to know, preacher. Well, you figured it out. He'll tell us one day. We'll ask him one day. God created the heavens and the earth way back then, back when. And in Genesis, the creation of count on day one, two, three, four, five, six, God created everything that there was around us. Verse six, he says, let's create the the expanse in the midst of the waters. Verse 9, then he said, let the waters below the heavens be gathered together. And you move on, verse 14, he said, let there be lots in the expanse. Verse 20, let the waters teem with swarms. Verse 24, let the earth bring forth living creatures. And notice verse 26, on the sixth day, his crowning creation. Then God said, let us make man in our image. Where did man come from? God created man. You didn't evolve from something. Nowhere in the first chapter does it say you evolved, you came from some mush. You didn't. You were created with a specific purpose by a creative creator, an intelligent being outside of time, space, matter, out there. God spoke into existence. Bara, out of absolute nothing, God spoke into existence everything that there was. And He Before the creation, the foundation of the world, he knew you sitting right here today. And he knew all the ups and downs that brought you to this point today. And yet he still created you. And he has you still here for a purpose. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image. We're created in the image of God according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And God created man in his own image and in the image of God he created him male and female. He created them and God blessed them and God said to them, 
Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Look at verse 31 and notice this very important. Talked about this past Wednesday night. God saw all that he had made and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. God was happy. Everything was good. Everything was exactly the way he intended it. It was good. You get into chapter 2 and there's a transition that happens over in verse 4. It's like it almost, it goes from, it goes from big, big, big picture to it, let's get a little closer and you keep on reading the Bible and you get a little closer when you get to chapter 12. It's like, let's go pick my family Abraham. Verse 4, this is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the heavens and the earth. Look at verse 7, then the Lord God formed man of the dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being. The Lord God planted a garden toward the east in Eden and there he placed the man whom he had formed and out of the ground the Lord God caused to grow every tree that is pleasing to sight and the good for food. And the tree of life also was in the midst of the garden and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. There's no problem with the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It was all good. Remember verse 31 of chapter 1, everything was good. All of creation was good. But remember he transferred us from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. There was a problem that happened. This past this past uh, Thursday night I had afterwards when the way he does, the coach, we finish up in here, we finish the sermon part, and the coach says, okay, seniors go eat, juniors go eat, and it takes a little while. I had a whole group of freshmen, I don't know, there was probably 10 of them that sat right over here, and they were blown away by a verse. Go to James chapter 4, verse 17. Look at it with me quickly. James chapter 4, verse 17 says this. They were like, wow, that, that is so clear, that clears it up. That, that's, that's what I'm looking for. They're like, wow, there's, that's not confusing at all. James chapter 4 verse 17 says, Therefore to the one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. Wow, what a good definition. Isn't it amazing? It's found right there in the book. To him who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. Period. That's what sin is. You want a definition? If you know what to do and don't do it, you've sinned. If you know this is right, you don't do it, you've sinned. If you know you shouldn't and you do it anyway, you've sinned. It's a pretty clear, cut and dry, there's no gray in there. It's right or wrong. It's God's definition. And remember, Genesis chapter 1, verse 31, everything was good. But you get over to chapter 2 and something happens. Something happens when God put this man in the garden, notice verse 15 of chapter 2. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to cultivate and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded him, saying, From any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but, stipulation, a rule, but from the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat from it you will surely die. That's it. The tree is not a bad tree. Just don't mess with it. The tree's not, the tree's over there growing. It is beautiful. It's the tree of knowledge. It's the, it's the, it's gorgeous. Just, just don't go over there and mess with it. Don't eat from it. That's it. Everything was good. 
Still good. Still good. Come on down. Notice this. Verse 18, then the Lord God said, it's not good for man to be alone. I'll make him a helper suitable for him. And out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the sky and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever man called the living creatures, that was its name. Well, where did did the elephant come from? Adam named it. Well, where did the cow come from? Adam named it. Well, how do you know that, preacher? Because the Bible says it. Keep it simple. Don't argue. Point to the Word of God. If the Bible don't say it, we need to... That's where we get in trouble. Well, I think this. Shut up. Okay? Don't make it if God didn't say it. He gave the name. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed the flesh at the place, and the Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought him to her. And the man said, This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called. Whoa, man. Because she was taken out of man. Can you only imagine? He had been looking at cows and birds and parakeets and lizards. And all of a sudden, whoa, oh, 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 man, that one looks good. That's what happened. It's biblical. A cow don't look good. Elephant, too big. Giraffe, too skinny. This, wow. Me like this one. That's biblical. That's how it happened. If the Bible don't say it, what do you do? Shut up. The Bible said that, though. Everything's good. Man was alone. He brought him a wife. Everything's good. Chapter 3. Guys, I'm telling you, you got to go back to Genesis. You knock them in the head with, you're a sinner. We've got to show them the fall. He rescued us from the domain of darkness. That is one of the most amazing verses and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son. Oh my goodness, that is so rich and thick and we will never, uh, the rest of eternity, we will get to, we will get to lavish as the beneficiaries of that great statement. But for those that do not understand the why, they do not grasp it. The word comes by hearing. We hear it. you got to tell them the truth. You're a sinner. You're bad. You're horrible. I don't think I'm bad. I don't think I'm a sinner. I don't think I'm horrible. I, I, I could I probably do better. you got to point them to the Word. Take them to the Word. Chapter 3, it all falls apart. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, the serpent, the crafty serpent said to the woman, Indeed, has God said? See the doubt. Did he really say that? Can you trust him? Is he dependable? Can you trust? Can you trust what he says? Are you sure there ain't more? You, you sure he ain't hiding something from me? Or are you sure there isn't something else? Isn't it amazing how the same trick then is the same trick today? Can you believe all that? Yeah, pfft, you don't need that. Did God say? Did God really say? Indeed, has God said you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, from the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat. Notice this. But from the fruit of the trees which is in the middle of the garden, God has said you shall not eat from it or touch it or you'll die. You can only imagine what, what Adam went home and told her when she walked into his house the first night. Honey, you are beautiful, but don't touch that tree. That is no-no. 
you don't mess with that tree. We're not touching that tree. We're not, we're not getting anywhere around that tree. Stay away from that tree because it is death. She tells the serpent, look, God didn't tell Adam to not touch it. God said don't eat it. But Adam's like, don't even touch that thing. And that's what she tells the serpent because that's what she'd probably heard over and over. Now, what's the rules? Don't eat it. Don't touch it. Don't go near it. Stay home. You can only imagine because there's death there. The serpent said to the woman, you won't die. You don't have to believe that book. You don't have to believe that stuff. You're not going to die. And even churches like this, even buildings like this, with a church that gathers like this, has people that walks in it, that still looks at this and says, eh, not convinced. At the end of the day, I don't convince anybody. At the end of the day, I can't convince the souls. At the end of the day, all I can do is point you to the one who's offering hope and forgiveness and freedom and to be brought back into the relationship, to be brought from the kingdom of darkness into his kingdom. Did God really say, serpent said, you won't die. For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw it, usually lust starts like that. Guys, women, be careful. The same temptation he used then is the same temptation, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, the lies. It's all the same today. She saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise. She took from its fruit and ate, and she gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. And the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. God had clearly said, don't. And they did. God clearly said, you wonder why. Guys, that's it. That's the problem. That's the breakdown. There it is. Black and white. We just read it. So what's the problem? Why did Jesus come? There's the issue. Why did we need saving? There's the issue. Well, I didn't do it. Go with me. Read. Finish. If you hadn't in a while, read Genesis 1, 2, and 3 again today. Go home. Read it slowly and look how good God is. Go with me quickly over to Romans chapter 5. We're done. Go over to Romans chapter 5, beginning in verse 12. Therefore, justice through one man centered in sin entered into the world, and death through sin. And so death spread to all men because all sinned. What is the definition of sin? We know the right thing, and we do not do it. For until the law sinned, was in the world, it's always been there, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not commit adultery. Honor your father and your mother, you'll have no other gods before me. Don't take my name in vain, don't have idols, don't do any of that stuff. We, we have through his law, through his commands, a set of, a group of 
laws that hold every one of us guilty. And the Bible tells us that same book says that if you break even one, you've broken them all. If you break just one at any time during your entire life, we are sinners. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses, even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of the offense of Adam. No, we may not have sinned by taking the fruit that our spouse gave us from the forbidden tree. No, that may not have been the sin that we committed, but we sinned. It was in the type of him who was to come, but the free gift is not like the transgression. For if by the transgression of the one, the many died, much more did the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound to the many. Think about that. Think about that and I'm done. Think about just that. If one man's sin condemned the world, imagine what the grace of the sinless Lamb of God. Think about how awesome and how amazing, how abundantly, infinitely beyond if one man, if Adam's sin there in the garden, his disobedience there in the garden, condemned mankind, imagine what the second Adam, the, the perfect one did. Imagine what his sacrifice has done. Therefore... He transferred us from the domain of darkness into his kingdom. Guys, there's only one way. Jesus himself says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. If you and your goodness and your ability and your baptism and your church membership and your attendance and your mission work and your tithing and just doggone it how good you are is what you're expecting to ride into eternity and to stand before the God of this universe and say, because I am good enough, I deserve to come in. Oh, wretched man that you are. Guys, our only hope is Jesus. Our only hope is what Christ did for us. Our only hope, there was nothing. The fullness of time came and God sent forth His Son to be born of a virgin. And we know that Son lived a sinless, perfect life for some 33 some odd years and He died on a sinner's cross. And He took the wrath of God there on Calvary's tree, and God poured, He drank the entire cup of wrath that you and I should be, that you and I deserve, that all mankind deserves. And He drank it fully, and He literally died. He literally was buried, and He literally rose again and was seen by some 500 people over a period of time. He literally lives today. My Savior lives. Do not reject Christ. Do not reject Jesus. Do not reject. It's not foolishness. It's not a story. It's not, it's not the word of life. Nothing else. There's no other way. There's no other name under heaven by which men are given to be saved. Father God, we praise you. We praise you this day for Jesus. We praise you this day that God, if it had been us there in the garden, we would have done the same. But God, you saw fit in spite of our rebellion, in spite of our selfishness and our flesh, you saw fit 
to send us hope. And for that, God, we simply say thank you. God, I pray that if there's one person in this room that's never trusted you and never never put their faith in you and you alone, God, I pray that today they simply in childlike faith say, I stop living for self and I simply trust you, Jesus. I give you my life. give you everything. You are the Son of God. You are the Savior of the world. God, I pray. Lord, that every person in this room can say that Jesus is Lord. God, because one of these days, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. I don't let it be too late. Somebody, God, I pray that on this side of eternity, as we sing the praises to the one that made it possible, we sing honor and glory to you, King Jesus. God, we love you. Thank you so much. We don't have to wonder. We don't have to guess. We have it written down for us. God, you're sovereign. And you work it out. You let us, God, by your Spirit, know truth and know things that, God, even your Word tells were hid, that we the Gentiles have hope. Thank you, Jesus the blood of the cross and your resurrected resurrection. God, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope you received a blessing from this week's message. If you have any questions about what you've heard from Pastor Shannon this week, you may call our church office at area code 205-339-4071. We pray that God's word strengthens you as you go on your journey today.